It is a late Thursday night as we put this guy, uh, excuse me, as we put this out for you guys. We're going to talk about Arizona State Sun Devils football. How different is the offense going to look? We give our opinions on that. We also take a moment to talk about the veterans. How big of a deal is it that ASU has quite a few guys coming back? Spoiler alert, it's a good thing. And then, of course, we give you the recap on the Arizona State Sun Devils baseball team from this past week. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. I am one of your hosts, Richie Bradshaw. So glad that you guys came and stopped by with us today. Remember that this podcast is free and available on all platforms. You can go ahead and make sure that you're subscribed to that podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts on an audio platform. We're there Monday through Friday, giving you the best Arizona State Sun Devils content in the whole world. We're also available on YouTube if you want to follow us in a visual format and see our beautiful faces. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well, myself at RichieBrads36. You can follow Connor at Cedrios and follow the podcast while you're on Twitter as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. This episode of the Lockdown Sun Devils broadcast is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Connor, I do want to mention that we have the episode with Donnie Druin coming out tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, which means that this is the last episode that I have with you one-on-one. And we'll we'll save the sentiment for some other time, but much appreciated for you being here on this ride with us, my friend. Couldn't be happier to talk about a team that you and I both love and cherish, even if college sports do not love and cherish them back. It's been yes. a, a fun ride over these last few months. But let's go out with a bang. Let's talk a little bit of football. Connor, this Arizona State Sun Devils team is going to look quite a bit different in more than one way. New quarterbacks, new coaches, a brand new defense, a new offensive line. Like there's a lot of changes that are coming to this Arizona State Sun Devils football team and focusing particularly on the offense. It's the quarterback that has us so curious right now between Trent Bourget, Paul Tyson, and, you know, maybe exactly. Maybe some other kid or who knows, maybe a transfer comes in. But point being, neither of them are Jaden Daniels. And I don't mean that from a talent aspect. I mean that from an athletic aspect. Neither of these guys are the dynamic runner that Daniels is. And that was such a key component of what the Sun Devils thrived off of doing offensively in 2021 and previous years too. I mean, for three years, Jaden was able to extend plays with his legs and make guys look silly at times. And that's just gone. Borgay is a, is a fine athlete. Paul Tyson is about as mobile as a refrigerator. So we're just, we're kind of in a flux right now, which begs the question starting just talking about the quarterbacks first. And we'll continue dissecting this more and more. How different is this offense going to look with these quarterbacks? So in their defense, Jaden Daniels was the most dynamic runner Arizona State has ever had at the quarterback position. So Look at Manny run, sir. Look at Manny run. 
it's not that they haven't had some mobile quarterbacks as of late, but on the ground, like it, I think you and I, if we're being honest, like Jaden was oh, the Jayden. best run mobile quarterback that you've yeah, had. Absolutely. Uh, at least in terms of his feet. So to, to compare him to any other quarterback ASU might be bringing in is not necessarily fair, but how the offense looks, it's still going to be run first, right? You and I have talked about that before, how they're still going to be running Zazavian Valaday, Danny Nagata, and an incoming uh, freshman, Tevin White. They're going to be including all three of those running backs in their scheme. Maybe there's a bell cow in there that seems to separate themselves from the others. But here's what is different, is you're losing that dynamic aspect on the ground, right? When yep. the play breaks down because – the receivers who aren't incredibly impressive on this Arizona State Sun Devils team, when they can't separate and get open for what was Jaden in the past, he could at least take off with his legs a little bit and pick up some yards. These guys can't do that. Even if a, a Paul Tyson is your maybe more prototypical quarterback style, he better be able to throw like it because he's not necessarily going to be getting nearly as much help uh, that he potentially could have at Alabama. Um that he's going to get at Arizona State. So it's still going to be a run first team. I don't think that's going to change, even if you're moving from Zach Hill to Glenn Thomas. I just think that's going to be the identity of this team is if they can control the clock, run the ball, and hopefully play some smash mouth defense while they're at it, that's that's the overarching goal. But in terms of the quarterbacks, the ability to pass the ball has to improve because otherwise you're taking a huge step back at the position overall. If they weren't a better passer overall than Jaden, they're certainly not going to be a better runner than he was. No, and I think the biggest thing to take into account here is that these quarterbacks are, are so vastly different from Jaden that it almost the team has no choice but to build a different offensive identity. It's just different, and it's not a bad different. It's just different. So that's the first aspect here that we got to talk about is the quarterback is, is very, very different. Now, the next thing I want to talk about, the running back room. Gone is Rashad White and Chip Trianum. Back is Daniel Nagata. Incoming is transfer Zazavian Halliday and Tevin White. Taking into account the new quarterbacks and, quite frankly, a lot of unfamiliarity with this offense. And another aspect here is a brand-new offensive coordinator because Zach Hill is gone. So with all of that in mind, one has to think this is going to be now, obviously a run-heavy team, but almost like a run first, second, and third kind of team, and almost a more traditional running. I don't think you can do a spread. I don't think you can do – you you can do RPOs to a certain extent. It's just not going to be as exotic as it would be if you had Jade Daniels and his legs. So maybe I'm alone here, Connor. Maybe you agree with me, but this has to – probably go to a very run head almost like a wisconsin kind of offense right i would think they're probably going to be running a lot of 12 personnel right so you're going to have one of the running backs depending on who that's going to be but then you're also going to have multiple tight ends potentially on the field uh, as we'll talk uh, a little bit later with donnie coming out to you guys on the friday edition of the podcast if they do find some tight ends that they like like a messiah swinson who find who turn out to be uh decent blockers as well kind of with the reworked offensive line they're going to have to have that identity through the run game, right? But they're not necessarily going to have, uh, again, they're not going to have the quarterback to be able to, to run any RPOs if they need to. But what I'm interested in is is, is certainly down once uh, once Chip Trainum got hurt, even week one, uh, even when he came back, the offense very much ran through Rashad White. Regardless of who the quarterback was going to be, it was running through Rashad. And you don't have him either 
which is arguably arguably a bigger deal of this offense than maybe losing Jaden Daniels, which I understand is the yes. quarterback. So a discussion to be had. That being said, I wonder if any of these guys can separate themselves to the point that Herm Edwards and Glenn Thomas and the entire coaching staff say, hey, that is our guy. Like when we step out into the football field, opposing teams are going to know that maybe they don't have to worry so much about a Paul Tyson or Trenton Borgay. But running back X, Y, or Z, they know they have to account for that guy on every play because of maybe how versatile they can be in the passing game and how much of a bruiser they are in the run game. And they're going to be focusing solely on stopping that guy and forcing Arizona State to pass. Yeah, and like I said, this is going to be a very, very different looking offense. In, in comes Super Bowl winning head coach and Baltimore Ravens legend Brian Billick to be the offensive analyst. And new offensive coordinator Glenn Thomas are going to be the front faces of what they want to do. And like you said, they're going to almost have to take this almost like a pro style approach to it. And just not, it's almost like you have to throw away your creativity and the sense of being cute. Right. So ASU had a very fun offense because they had these athletes that allowed them to be more colorful and creative with their play calling. And when it doesn't work, that's when we call it cute. I don't think you have that aspect anymore. Like you have a Ricky Pearsall who has shown that he can throw the ball and take the wide receiver end arounds and stuff like that. Brian Thompson also has a little bit of that ability. He's going to be a subject of our second segment here coming up. But overall, I feel like the, the amount of creativity starts to get limited which can be a blessing and a curse because Wisconsin has never been the most creative offense in the world, at least not since they had Russell Wilson 10 years ago. They, they've they been strictly a run-heavy team. They had, you know, Monte Ball and Melvin Gordon, Corey Clement. Now they have Braylon Edwards. They had Jonathan Taylor. Like, they're predictable offenses, but they work. So it makes me wonder if Arizona State's going to have to go to that approach, but to the next step that I want to talk about. This offensive line is a lot different. This is not a Wisconsin offensive line. You're going to have to find a way to almost scheme these guys to get ahead of the curb. And by that, I mean, there's not a lot of experience here. They have one guy returning, and I can't remember his name to save my life, and I feel like a total fool about that. But what, Did you say one guy returning? Yeah, who's our, our offensive lineman? You have two. So you have Ladarius Henderson, who That's is, who uh, I want to say, your left guard. Yes. Uh, and yep. then I'm blanking on the other name because you lost Ben Scott, Donovan West, then Kellen Deesh. But yes. you had two guys coming back. And then uh, now Henderson several guys. That I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. So, but you don't have a lot of returning experience, which is where you're going to have to find ways to either just get real simplistic with your blocking schemes or do quick passing attacks. Yeah, totally agreed. So if they do want to be that that run first type of offense, obviously they have to have the capability of running the ball, which starts with your offensive line. Now, a lot of people can debate whether it's more important to have a, a better uh, running offensive line and a, a average uh, running back or vice versa. But regardless, they're going to need both to work in tandem for this offense to be able to work to the best of its ability. Now, going back to what you were just saying a little bit ago about um, kind of the play calling for this offense even if it's not as cute, so to speak, as, as far as what Zach Hill had going on, it might be all Glenn Thomas has to work with, right? Because he doesn't have a quarterback who can run. He doesn't have a Rashad White on this team. Maybe there's somebody else that steps up. We don't know. 
but he doesn't have a go-to X wide receiver either. So it's almost like you're you're telling uh, Glenn Thomas, hey, here's the puzzle, but he doesn't have all the pieces. Like at the end of the day, can we really blame the outlook for this team uh, on terms of the offensive side of the ball all on Glenn when he's kind of working with a, a patchwork offense, in my opinion? I would agree. And the last thing I want to bring up before we close out this segment, the pass catchers. You don't have an X receiver. You have a lot of gadgets, not the right word, but you have a lot of role players, right? Yep, you have that right. Ricky Pearsall who is a gadget player for what it's worth. You have a Brian Thompson who's kind of your veteran, do a little bit of everything. You have your Elijah Badger, again, just not really specifically good in any one sense. LV Bunkley Shelton, Chad Johnson Jr., incoming tight end Messiah Swenson, Andre Johnson. Yeah, so you have you have this cast of guys, and not a single one of them stands out as like this, holy cow, this is the guy in the passing game. It, is it, it feels like it's a blessing and a curse that you don't necessarily have one guy in there that you're like, yep, that's the guy. I don't, I don't know, Connor. Like, There's a part of me that likes that because that means there is creativity where you can get all these guys involved, right? But at the same time, it would be nice to have that kind of Nikhil Harry, Brandon Ayuk kind of guy in this offense. <clears throat> Frank Derby. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm going to go the total opposite direction and just say that it's a total curse. Um, I, I think they're going to have to get every guy involved from the strict sense of, because one guy like a Drake London last year for USC who produced so much of their receiving yards, once he was out, it had to be a group effort moving forward. Right. ASU doesn't have that choice. They have to use all these guys because they don't have somebody who can do it all, so to speak. I would much rather have uh, that stud number one where Paul Tyson or Trenton Borgay kind of have the comfort of, hey, I'm going to throw it up to this guy because I know he's probably better than just about every other corner he's going to be going up against. They don't have that luxury. Not that they ever want to just be throwing yellow balls to their wide receivers, but uh, having the comfort of uh, that stud X wide receiver on the outside, obviously something every quarterback wants. Otherwise, you're working with the best wide receiver on this team as of right now, which is Ricky Pearsall. No diss to Pearsall. He just he is what he is, and that's not what the quarterbacks need moving forward. And that's probably the perfect way to say it, Connor, is he is what he is. We love Pearsall. He is ASU's discount RC Cola, Julian Edelman. But, I mean, he he's not he's not what those other guys are. He's not Nikhil Harry. He's not Brandon Ayuk. But Frank Derby. I don't even know if he is a Frank Darby. Stop trying to make Frank Darby happen. It's, it's not, not gonna going to happen. happen. Dude, if if he ever like listened to this podcast, he he would never ever want to talk to me. <laughs> but Frank, for what it's worth, though those like two deep hey, ball catches you made a season were absolutely amazing. He could separate. Could he catch it? Oh, that's different. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead, wrap up this first segment. Uh, when we return for our second segment, we got to talk to you guys a little bit about those veterans that are coming back and the kind of impact that they're going to have on the team. But first, a quick word from our friends. Guys, March Madness is officially here as of the recording of this podcast. I don't know if your guys' brackets are already busted. Mine might as well be so far. But that being said, we absolutely love March Madness here in the Lockdown Studios podcast. And that's why we use Stat Hero. 
Stat Heroes NCAA single game pick them pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage and start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take head-to-head. -head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with the set of players you choose. And Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. And be sure, uh, be sure to use the promo code locked on for a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Richie, you are muted, sir. Well, how about that? That would that would make a lot of sense. That's that's much better. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on Sun Devils your first listen every day. Remember that this podcast is free and available on all platforms. Let's go ahead, hop into our second segment here. Connor, there, there's a lot of guys that are gone. A lot of guys that are gone from this from this Arizona State team offensively and defensively. Rashad White. Um Oh my God, Darian Butler, both your corners. Yes, uh, obviously your quarterback, uh, Tyler Johnson. Two offensive. This goes linemen, on, man. A defensive tackle, DeAndre Pierce, Evan. Field. It feels like twenty-two players being your starters, even though it's not entirely accurate. It just it feels that way. It does. But here's the thing: there are four no notable, noteworthy guys that are returning. And when I say that, I mean obviously there's a lot of sophomores and juniors on this team. There's a few seniors, but these four guys stand out to me the most in terms of they're, they're almost the captains. Like these four guys could easily be the captains of the team. It wouldn't surprise me. Those four being Merlin Robertson and Brian Thompson, both huge gets for Arizona State. They got like their 12th year of college eligibility by using the COVID season to come back, which is awesome. We're very, very happy to have those two. So Merlin Robertson. Uh, I, I just said him, Brian, Thompson. Brian Thompson, uh, Jermaine Lole, who missed all of last year with a, was it a biceps or a triceps injury, tricep injury, tricep injury, and Ricky Pearsall. Those four will be returning ironically to offense, to defense. So it works out perfectly. Connor, there's, there's some good optimism to have with these four coming back. Let's start on the offense. With Thompson and Pearsall back, what I would tell you, their impact is so big because what position do they play? Wide receiver, Richie? Wide receiver. What position was a big question mark for ASU last year and now this year? Quarterback? Well, yes, but I'm looking Oh, but for wide receiver. We're going wide for wide receiver. receiver. Yes. So you have some experience. You have some leaders. This is a big deal. Especially, the, this is really, really, really important for new quarterbacks who don't have a lot of experience. You have 28 combined career pass attempts between Paul Tyson and Trent Borgay, who are your two leaders in the running to be the starting quarterback for the Sun Devils in 2022. 
So having some kind of veteran experience goes a long ways. I am very happy that we have two guys like this coming back who can prove to be facets in the passing game, especially Pearsall, who we were able to see quite a bit from. Brian Thompson really didn't flash much this year, but part of that was because he was transferring into a new season. And another part of that was the passing game was just below subpar. So having two guys who have leadership experience back in a receiving room that definitely needs some of that. I think that's a really big deal. Plus for these young quarterbacks. I totally agree. So it's not so much like uh, you have these players coming back and they're showing other people the ropes in terms of like the offensive play calling, but nonetheless, you lost so many leaders, whether it was from people transferring or uh, players headed to the draft, whatever that might be. But on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, you lost, I, I don't want to say your identity, but at least guys that were the captains in your locker room, right? Uh, not that Ricky Pearsall didn't command respect, uh, but now he has to, right? Uh, right. So with both him and Brian Thompson already being uh, at Arizona State this last season, if not more, uh, they have to be the guy on the offensive side of the ball because you're going to have new quarterback, even if Trent Borgay was already with the Sun Devils, didn't start, right? So essentially new leader regardless because everyone was looking at Jaden Daniels before. Um, Rashad White, who we mentioned earlier in this podcast, the offense ran through him. They may or may not have that luxury this year. So uh, at least as far as the receivers go, Ricky Pearsall has to be that beacon for other guys in the passing game to be able to look for, uh, even if everything is not going their way for whatever reason. Um, the offensive line, right? Uh, you had multiple studs along that offensive line, namely Donovan West or Kellen Deesh. Both of those guys are gone. So I, th I think it's so important when you talk about continuity, especially with everything ASU is going through right now. All the controversy about um, uh, the issues as far as recruiting violations, uh, Jaden Daniels leaving, even though he said he was coming back, players transferring, yes. coaches leaving, like the, the list goes on for all the, uh, the things that they've had to face so far over just the last couple of months that they need somebody to step up and it's not a new face, right? It's going to be Ricky Pearsall and even a Brian Thompson, even if he did not make the most, um, or at least should say the biggest impression last year, uh, due to one reason or another. Something like that. So we'll see, man. Like I, I do like that Thompson's coming back. I truly do. Mm -hmm. Now, am I expecting him to be a thousand yard receiver? Of course not. But I'm not expecting anyone to be a thousand yard receiver, just because the passing attack isn't going to be anything noteworthy, and it, it just it, it's going to take time to develop. So I'm happy for Thompson coming back. I truly am, and obviously I'm excited about Pearsall flipping over to the other side of the ball. Connor, you could not pick two better players to be coming back for you in 2022 besides Merlin Robertson and, J and Jermaine Lole. Yeah, we were talking the other day. I didn't realize that uh, uh, Merlin Robertson was coming back. So with his fifth year of eligibility, him being a super senior, um, has played here, has started here his entire career. Definitely going to be great. Your linebackers are looking better and better now that you have Eric Gentry also being inserted there. Uh, so I'm very curious what they do here, uh, if they're going to let Gentry start to call some plays or if it's because uh, Robertson has obviously been here kind of playing maybe that Mike linebacker for so long or if he's going to be taking over Darian Butler's role, kind of who's going to be calling the defense a little bit more going forward. Uh, but Lole is, is huge for a couple reasons, in my opinion. After a big expectation was set upon him before last season and him getting hurt prior to the season even starting, that was a big blow to this team. A lot of guys expected huge. a lot out of him and – Potentially, if he had the year we were expecting him to, he'd be one of the other Sun Devils headed to the NFL draft. 
maybe even being their highest uh, rated prospect. I, I think that was at least within the realm of possibility. So for him to come back, uh, again, has at least been with this team for a little while. He's going to be anchoring that defensive line, right? You're losing Tyler Johnson, um, so that's going to hurt for sure. Uh, but you need Lola to be able to step up because for an ASU team, and I'm, I'm blanking on the number, what they have? Five games to end last year without a sack, something like that. Maybe they got one against uh, Arizona. They had, they had gone five straight games without a sack. They were able to get like maybe two more before the end of the season. And not that you're necessarily looking from uh, a ton of sacks from your interior defensive lineman, but regardless, if other offensive lines are going to be focusing somewhere, it's going to be on Lole. Um, so it's going to be on him to be able to hope, hopefully either generate the pass rush for himself or somebody else. Uh, again, look forward to bringing back his veteran leadership, uh, hopefully getting everybody in line. Pretty much. So, yeah, really big to have both of those guys back. I think you put it perfectly. Lole's upside, I'm pretty sure he had like day two status coming into yep. this year. There, there was a lot of hype for Lole coming into this year. Having him back is going to be huge, especially for a very young and inexperienced defensive line that also has high upside guys like Omar Norman Lott and BJ Green, who are two darlings of this podcast. We're all big fans of Trevez Moore and hoping that he can take that next step. There's transfers that are coming in. There's younger guys that are also ready to blossom. So having Lole there is great. That, that veteran experience that Robertson is going to be able to pass down to Gentry, who's going to be in a much bigger role, is also a really big boon to this defense. It's going to allow Gentry to keep having the game slow down for him. So ASU's doing this right with Gentry, man. They have him as their fourth linebacker and coming in for plays, and he looks really good. Now they're going to put him in a situation where he's not the guy yet. Instead, he's on the field probably for 80 to 90% of the snaps for the entirety of the year, but he's yep. going to have someone next to him who is in his fifth year playing for the same defense, and he's going to be able to say, all right, so take a look at this lineup here. This is what we're going to do. This is how I want you to line. Here, tell everyone, blitz off the left side, yada, 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 whatever. All their, their code terms and everything like that that they have. That's going to be really big for Gentry, who after Robertson leaves in 2023, when Gentry becomes a full-time starter, I mean, if he takes that next step, we're talking about one of the best linebackers we've put together since like Vontez Perfect, which was over 10 years ago. There is that real possibility that we're able to groom Gentry into that kind of player. So from a defensive standpoint, Lole and Robertson coming back is massive, absolutely massive. Offensively, Pearsall and Thompson coming back is also really, really good. It's hard to have bad veterans coming back, which is why this, this segment was kind of like needed a lot more explanation than just saying like, oh, well, how good is it that they're coming back? It's very good, Richie. Thank you very much for wasting 10 minutes of my life. No. Hashtag analysis. Hashtag analysis, precisely. Let's go ahead and wrap up the second segment. When we return for the third and final segment, we got to talk to you guys about Arizona State baseball and the nice little tear that they went on over the last week. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. All right, guys. I know this is the point in time where everyone wants to give up on their New Year's resolutions, but don't do it this year. Trust me, I'm sticking to mine just like you should stick to yours, and I wouldn't be able to do it without Built Bar in my diet. 
Have you? If you guys haven't had, tried the Puffs yet, let me tell you, you guys are missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all so good and they're going to be your new favorite. And as always, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. That includes the Puffs. They're low-calorie, high-protein. Just replace your candy bars with these. They're a lot better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories compared to a Built Bar, which is typically around 130 calories. There are only four grams of sugar, four net carbs, with 17 grams of protein. Compare that to the candy bar, and it just blows it out of the water. From mint brownie to coconut, coconut almond, and for this month, the white chocolate cookies and cream. They have so many delicious flavors, and they're coming out with all, all brand new ones all the time. They think a flavor might be good. They're going to make it. It's delicious, and it's good for you. So go to built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. It is that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting, wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Connor. Let's talk some baseball. It's Honestly, I kind of look forward to doing this every week is just recapping the week of baseball. It's hard to keep up with it on a consistent basis when we don't get it on television. And there's so many games going on all the time. So I look forward to that end of the week recap. And this is a really good week for us to recap. As you guys can see in the banner below, if you're watching on a, on YouTube, which you definitely should be. If you're not, Arizona State managed to go 3-1 and one over their last four games from the last week, including a three-game series against the San Francisco... Uh, Dons, plus a game against Mizzou. They actually were able to sweep San Francisco. This was a home stint for them. And then they had to go, or excuse me, they had Mizzou, but they ultimately lost that game. Connor, in those three games against Mizzou, they were able, or not Mizzou, against San Francisco. They won the games in order, 8-5, to 4-2, to two, and a football score of 17-10, to 10, and ultimately lost the game against Mizzou 4-6. to six. Yeah, so definitely a couple players that we got to highlight. There's really going to be four main offensive contributors moving forward from the season. Not that that uh, some weeks there won't be somebody else that steps up. But you're kind of talking your your four big hitters kind of in order. Uh, Joe Lampy is clearly your best hitter. Um, dude's hitting for average. He's hitting for power. I want to say he's tied for third in all of the Pac-12 in home runs uh, with six so far this year. Uh, you have multiple other Sun Devils with four, but... Lampy is off to a hot start going 8 for 13 this week. Then you have Ethan Long, who's on a tear last week going 4 for 13. So still kind of cooling off a little bit, but that's kind of the, the trends of baseball where people are just a little bit up and down, right? Connor Davis, who started off as one of their best hitters, if not their best hitter, uh, has cooled significantly going 2 for 15. Yeah. Batting average is still over 300 as of now, but definitely going to need him to turn around as they enter Pac-12 play. And then Sean McClain, their shortstop, going 5 for 15 this week. Uh, is now currently their second highest hitter as far as batting average goes at 355. 
so offensively, the guys are getting it done. Um, overall, they've played the most games in the Pac-12, so it's a, a somewhat unreliable stat. They're, they've put up, I think, the fourth most runs in the Pac-12, I think only two more in front of uh, fifth place. So they're a little above average on the offensive side of the ball. But they've had multiple games, Richie, where they've kind of had that football score, right? They've had at least two of those where they were on the more dominant end of it this year, which might make their offense look a little bit more inflated. But regardless, they're going to need it as they start to go up against some of the better uh, uh, better pitching staffs in the Pac-12 because pitching outside of a, a couple guys, and this week it was Kyle Luckham again. Dude's been absolutely dominant in the series, for, uh, absolutely been their best pitcher. Uh, and then Adam Pollock, who had a 13-strikeout game, uh, who is one of the, the Pac-12 leaders in strikeouts. Outside of those two guys, their pitching staff's not getting it done. They are dead last in the Pac-12 in, ter- in, in terms of a total ERA. That's not going to bode well for their uh, their Pac-12 chances moving forward. No, definitely not. And I, I want to touch on those pitchers for a second, Connor, because Tullock and Luckham are dominating right now. Both of them sitting with a 2.88 ERA on the season. Tullock, 36 strikeouts, Connor. Luckham has 24 of himself. There are two quality relief pitchers in here. Boyd Vanderkoy has a 2.08 ERA, and Chase Webster has a 2.16 ERA, and four and a third and eight and a third innings, respectively. Tullock and Luckham have both gone 25 innings and 2.88 ERA. So you have four guys with under a three ERA. The problem is... Your next closest is Will Levine, who is one of your starting picture pitchers, 402 ERA. That that's your fifth pitcher, and after that, it just falls off a cliff. It gets so so bad. Now I know that Tyler Meyer did just get lit up, and that's part of the reason why his ERA skyrocketed to a 512 ERA. Meyer is still a quality pitcher, but it's not great that he had the game that he had against San Francisco. He gave up six runs. He might've given up seven runs. Uh, he He's six runs in two innings, Connor. So Meyer got his, you know what handed to him. So they just need their, their bullpen to step it up because between Tullock, Luckham and Meyer, you have three really good quality starting pitchers provided Meyer doesn't continue to repeat the performance he just had against the Dons. But Tolik and Luckham, I mean, they're they're pitching like aces right now. So that's really, really big for you. You just need the consistency from the rest of them. Batting-wise, these guys are batting hot. Your top four batters are all 317 or better with Lampy at 361. And I mean, like, they're they're getting on base. They're they're putting everything together. For what it's worth in the the second game against San Francisco, the four to two final game. This was where, um, who was pitching in this, uh, Kyle Luckham had gone eight innings with nine strikeouts. Lampy was a home run away from the cycle. He had gone three or four on the night. He had the triple, which is the hardest one to get. He yep. just didn't, he didn't have the home run. So, I mean, Lampy has been an absolute stud. Very, very happy with the way he's performing. Connor Davis, even though he wasn't, you know, good over this past week he still nonetheless is one of your most important players he's still he's still batting 319 after going two of 15 Connor. so not worried about him very happy with him love to see that sean mcclain is getting more and more involved ethan long is still very important as is uh uh kate higgins is batting 333 right now so 
that's pretty much it. So it's really nice to see that ASU baseball is starting to get back on track. They're going to be taking on, <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to be taking on the Oregon State Beavers in a away series up in Corvallis. It's a three-game series there starting uh, tomorrow night at 535 Mountain Time. They're going to be playing uh, GCU on Tuesday. And then when we recap again next Friday, they will be starting a series against Washington. So when we come back, we are going to have ourselves a little uh, four-game stint to go over, which includes their first series against a Pac-12 team. So until then, this is going to wrap up the Thursday edition of the podcast. Sorry that it came out so late, guys. Life is very, very crazy right now, but we appreciate you tuning in every single day. Remember, this podcast is free and available on all platforms, which includes what is not limited to Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts on an audio platform, we're there and available Monday through Friday. Best Sun Devils content in the whole world. We're also on YouTube if you want to go and check us out there. Like, subscribe, comment, five star, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter as well. Myself at RichieBrads36. Connor at C. Drios. Follow the podcast while you're on there as well at LO underscore Sun Devils. Thank you guys so much for making the Locked On Sun Devils your first listen every day. Go ahead and make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft as Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker Bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, it's free and available on all platforms. And until next time, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Devils.